Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Carrie Johnson is the oldest of six children. She has 22 nieces and nephews who are the loves of her life. She was born in Arizona, lived for a time in California, and has been living in Utah ever since. She received her bachelor's degree in English from Brigham Young University. Her professional background has primarily been as a trainer and project manager in the medical software industry. She has a deep love and curiosity, a sense of adventure, and exploring new cultures, places, and people. She feels fortunate uh, her career involved travel as she has met new friends from around the country. I'm your host, Tara McCausland, and I'm thrilled to have Carrie here with me today. Thank you. So thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you for having me. What were some of the earlier experiences that tethered you in the boat in your youth and young adulthood? So I am your typical born and raised in the church and mainly in Utah, but I also had separate experiences outside of the norm um, that helped me, helped tether me. I like that word. I like, I still have kind of explored around, but I'm tethered. <laughs> um, what helped me, uh, there was a point where I finally realized, we, we did daily scripture study, but I finally realized that if I studied on my own or read on my own, that it had actual answers specifically for me. So I, I realized that this gospel, the scriptures were part of God's way of speaking to me, personal revelation. So that was, that was exciting once I figured that out. And then another time I went and taught English in Asia. And as you know, it's a very, very, very different culture and atmosphere. And I found myself since it was the first time I was outside of Utah and the, the norm was the LDS culture really kind of going back to it and clinging to it, realizing I need this, I need God in my life and I need to have this relationship with him even more now out on my own where I'm not surrounded by it. So that was another, another really uh, faith promoting and another tethering type of moment. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think I had appreciated it or realized it until I was away from it completely and there was no one else like me (laughs) anywhere around. So yeah, that's helped. Uh, Another one, interestingly enough, it hasn't been that long, um, was meeting a self-proclaimed atheist um, at the time, which I really didn't believe him, but that's okay. (laughs) It's since changed. But um, I remember him calling it, especially Christ in the Atonement, a big fairy tale. And the minute he said those words, it felt like someone punched me in the gut. It just, to my core, the very depths of my soul felt so wrong. It was def- it was definitely at a time when I needed to sort of reaffirm my testimony because I had been pretty casual about church and what I wanted in it. And if I even wanted to keep going, what I wanted to do, if, you know. So when I heard those words and it hit me as hard as it hit me, I realized to the depths of my being that... I do believe. I do believe in God and Jesus Christ and the atonement very strongly. So in an odd sort of way, that that helped shift my trajectory a little bit. And he probably didn't have any sense that that would do that. Oh, no, no, not at all. (laughs) We just got deep really fast, Mm -hmm. and 
it's just what I needed to hear at the time. Since then, he's been an amazing example, motivator, almost as the opposite of of having so much light and knowledge. I, I guess I, again, took that for granted the longer I was around it and seeing him search for that. He also said, I my goal is to be a spiritual man. And that literally floored me. I've never heard anyone say that. And so I thought, well, that, that needs to be my goal too. I think we just assume we are because we're members that we're just spiritual people. And we are. We have a lot of light and knowledge, but there are so many that are searching for that that it just helps solidify, okay, this is what I know. I believe there's no doubt, no question, and to also work on being a spiritual being to take actual steps and you know try to better myself spiritually, get closer to God. I think that's a really key distinction that we have to make, that simply because we go to church doesn't mean we have a connection yes. with God. Yes. That it's... It's in those quiet moments when no one is watching, do we pray, number one. Right. How we pray, are we searching for God in the scriptures? It's kind of a new agey thing that some people will say, you know, I I don't believe in God, I don't believe in religion per se, but I am a spiritual person. And I do think that there, there is something to that, but... Religion and spirituality need to go hand in hand, but they they don't always connect. Absolutely, that and sense. that was his problem having having the ability to connect the two. Uh, his words were, "I don't believe in heaven and hell, just heaven and hell." And I said, "Well, I don't either." We didn't get into <laughs> the plan of salvation, but it, you know, I just I appreciated so much that that was a quest of his. And um, he does say meditation is very helpful. He's helped me practice that a little bit or remember to practice that just to take that time and just be and just breathe mm-hmm. and because we are so busy it's such a fast pace technology is wonderful but I've said so many times we're not built to have this much information this quickly all the time you have to work at it you actually have to almost schedule it you have to have that intention okay I'm going to take five minutes today if that's all I have and mm-hmm. just be and I, that's where I felt my strongest connections at times or when he's been able to just really calm my troubled heart. So for most of us, when we are young, we just assume our lives will follow the typical pattern of growing up, getting married, having children. This hasn't been your experience. No. You spoke to me earlier about going through a phase of mourning and later finding peace and acceptance around your situation. Tell us a bit about that process. Yeah, that was uh, honestly one of the heaviest trials that I carried around for a good couple of decades. Obviously, I'm a woman and there is a biological clock involved. And so it was always, always there, just always in the back of my head, my heart. Oh, I'm running out of time. You know, Um, I actually tried to force some relationships based on my biological clock, especially later 30s. And I had the very uh, distinct impression one morning, don't factor kids into this relationship. Because I I knew I was trying to force it for that reason, but sometimes it takes some, an outside objective point of view to say, hey, hold on a second. And I, I, it wasn't like a voice I heard, but it was a very distinct impression one morning because I was really struggling at the time. So I kind of compare it to the little black rain cloud that follows you around a little bit to where it did, it, it was difficult in most areas of my life. And people would say, well, do you even want to get married? Because I was lucky to have such a great career. 
and you know, or do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Yes, I do. Or the, this flip side where they remind me, well, you know, you're not getting any younger and point out the obvious. People still like to point out the obvious that about my marital status and, and my motherhood status. I feel that there's a little more openness I think it's discussed a little bit more and maybe more people are in that situation. So it's, it's getting a little easier, but I always, I always wonder why people need to, you know, point certain things out. So the grieving period that I was talking about was a time I was invited to the birth of my niece. Um, she is eight years old now. Love the little angel. She's amazing. I didn't know if I was okay to do that. That was something I thought was just between, you know, my sister and her husband, but but I remember driving into the hospital at two in the morning or whenever she said that the labor was getting more active and I had this just knife to the heart, this is going to be your only experience with childbirth. And I didn't love that and it hurt really badly. It was the most amazing experience, but I think that triggered me realizing, okay, this, this is where I'm at, might not change, might not have this opportunity, so I allowed myself to grieve. I allowed myself to mourn the children I didn't have. That was, that was important to me. I, I stopped trying to not be angry or disappointed or uh, sad <laughs> and just let those feelings flow through me. And it took, I'd say it took about a year before I finally felt like I had grieved it properly and dealt with it. And then I felt that, la- that weight lifted which I wish I could have done it decades ago, but it just wasn't my reality. And I still had that opportunity biologically to have children. So obviously the age played into that too, but, but it was, it was an important process for me to just be upset about it. It's not that I hadn't been, but I just really let it flow through me and really experience the rawness of it Mm. and then let it go. So, so as a single woman in the church, what advice would you give to people who perhaps don't understand your situation and things that have been said to you in the past that were hurtful? What would you advise members to say to single members of the church who may not have children? Right. Or even married people without children, because I know some of my friends struggled with infertility and some of those comments were a little bit harsh. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Do you even want to have kids or you're selfish for not having kids? And that's, that's kind of the opinion that, you know, I, had, I encountered every once in a while. What I heard a lot, and I still hear a lot, and I'm going to be very bluntly honest, it does not help that those blessings, if you're faithful, will not be denied you in the next life. I know people are coming from a place of I'm trying to comfort you, it, but for me, it was always, it was always a little bit hurtful especially at, during the time that I could still have gotten married and had chill. I mean, I still can't get married, but, you know, biologically have a child. Um, it was, again, I, I try to remember it's coming from a place of love and, and hope on their part too, but it wasn't comforting in the here and now. It just, it just wasn't. And then also I kept, I did struggle with, well, am I not faithful enough? Am I not being Am I not doing everything I should? Am I not a good enough person? Because it almost sounds like something you earn. Oh, if I do this, this, and this, then you, then you get married and have kids. That's just, it's just a, that's just what happens. So I did, it made me question, well, maybe 
Am I, did I miss something? That's what I always felt. What did I miss? I mean, I know sometimes I have to be hit on the head with a two by four, but I'm, you know, what didn't I do right? So that's something I've learned and I've tried to incorporate that in any situation um, to where, you know, everyone's got their deep, hard, difficult struggles. And I think the best thing people can do is just, just be with that person. Don't point out the obvious. Don't concentrate on what maybe they're lacking or don't have and just enjoy them now where they're at, who they are. That's, that's my goal. There are obvious challenges, I think, being single and childless in a very family-centered faith tradition. Yes. Um, and you've, you've talked a little bit about that already. But maybe expound on that a little bit. What challenges and blessings have come to you as a single woman in the church, but also as a woman in the church? Yeah, and that's, that's really important. And I, I feel like, I don't know if you feel it too, but I feel like there's a shift a little bit to concentrate more on the power and the blessings of the priesthood as it applies to a woman. I never honestly, this has been my experience because I know it's not been a lot of women's experience. I never felt less than or not equal to. I, I felt actually empowered by the gospel and because of the opportunities you have in the gospel to either be a leader or a teacher, or there are so many opportunities that are equal to you, and and they helped expand who I was. I learned so much. I was able to take that over into, um, you know, my education and my career. I had public speaking opportunities at a young age. I had, you know, young women's everything. I really felt well. Okay, I I <laughs> for young women's for me. I'm more of the let's go play and have fun kind of a person. And I, the only time I felt limited was the budget that we had because the boys would take the snowmobiles and the four-wheelers and go do all of these fun things, and we'd go sew quilts. So I did not like that so much. But, but, here, side here. note. <laughs> side note, yeah, it was just kind of like, hey, I want to go do that. But um, I really feel like there have been more blessings than challenges. Challenging as far as, okay, I've got to get past this hurdle or things that I need to learn and things I've learned personally by being in the gospel and being a woman. But I really, I have a really good friend that just said, there is so much power out there. We just don't, we don't even tap into a portion of it. So she started helping me be a little more aware of that. And obviously um, the temple really helps me with that too, to where, I mean, at that point, there is no difference. And it comes down to your relationship with you and Christ and those promises and blessings are just as much yours. I have felt very similarly as you as far as never feeling like I was lesser than in the church um, or not heard because mm-hmm. I was a woman. And I've sat in many councils yes. um, where my opinion was sought after and valued. Um, but I've also been trying to see that other point of view where yes. some women have not felt valued right. and and see from their perspective uh, some of the some of the challenges that, that have come to some because oh, of absolutely. their gender. Absolutely. So that is a that is a real thing for many women. Um, I do however feel that as we come to learn more about the priesthood yes. and 
how that's given to all of God's children and how we all have access, not to keys per se, um, but we participate and receive the power of the priesthood in callings that we receive when we're set apart. I've felt that mantle fall upon me yes. as in different leadership positions. Right. And so it's there. But when we see that struggle, I'm trying to put my arm around those sisters and say, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me hear you. I try and understand. I agree. And that's, again, the approach of let me be with you where you are and how you feel. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and feel those things. It's fine. Uh, I feel like any time I'm teaching or speaking, that I, it's so important for me to stress because I've had to learn it through most things getting taken away because of health challenges, uh, who I really am that, and who we all are. And that at the very depths of our core, we are God's daughters. That's, it, that in and of itself, that knowledge has given me so much identity and purpose and even strength in challenging times to where I go back to that and say, no, this is who I am. These are my privileges. I need to live up to those privileges. I want to. And when I do, I get, I feel it more. And so again, I I feel like there's a shift to where people, even women are saying, you know, understand the priesthood, understand the blessings and study up on that a little more. The brethren have said the same thing. They've pled with us to study those doctrines and the priesthood and to understand that we have access to that power and those blessings. So life can take many unexpected twists and turns that really try our faith. The downward turn of your physical health has undoubtedly been one of those difficult twists. Give us a little background on that and how you've learned to cope through a very challenging period in your life. Well, I'll first preface that by saying it's still a challenge. <laughs> I wish I were much better at it, but I'm, I'm still learning. Um, when it first all hit, I remember my friend saying, you, you didn't even see this coming. The day before, you didn't even see this coming. And I said, I really didn't. And as you and I were talking, it, it's, just, it's very similar for others, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a spiritual crisis, a, an emotional, and they're all very tied together at times. I felt like I had always preached that that shouldn't identify you, what you do, what your accomplishments are. Uh, your degrees, your accolades, things like that. But that, that still, that got tested to the core and it still is something I struggle with. In fact, I felt like I lost my identity in a lot of ways to where I was this type of person that did this kind of things and I had these friends and I would go do these things and that's just what my life was. And suddenly it wasn't very quickly, literally overnight. And it was... Well, first of all, it was painful, very painful. So just to, I think I just tried to deal with that first and foremost, trying to figure out how to manage that and going to so many different doctors. And at first I'd get my hopes up like, oh, well, I have a problem. So they're just going to see it and they're going to fix it. Well, my tests would come back just fine. All of these different tests that they would do. So that got more and more discouraging. Well, wait, you're supposed to pinpoint this and then you're supposed to just fix it. But um, nothing has been concrete. It's been very up in the air. Nothing's been specific. So I was also a lab rat for quite a while. I feel like we've found kind of a good combination, my neurologist and I, to where I'm functional more than I was. I, I would say the first two, two and a half years were, they were awful. 
I was non-functional. I didn't leave my house hardly. I didn't leave my bed hardly. I was just in pain all the time and I couldn't escape the pain. And that was very difficult. But once I started finding something that would help as far as, you know, getting me functional, I, f- I don't want to say I felt like I was getting back to myself, but I was getting back to things that were important to me. And what I realized through all of it was my relationships are my most important. And those don't have to change. I was so worried that those would change because I couldn't be as supportive. I couldn't show up as much. But they say you find out who your true friends are through major adversities. And it's very true. Very, very true. And I lost some that I was surprised about. But most of the people I love and I've, I've invested time with, that didn't change. Even my nieces and nephews to where they were so involved with sports and things and I'd love to go and I, I just couldn't. And so I thought, oh, no, my relationship's going to be so different with them, but it hasn't changed. They still, they still love me. And, and you find that out, that I, that's what's been important to me, really, and where I come down to, okay, this is who I am. This is what I can do. This is what I can share. This is what I can invest in, even if it's a text or a phone call if I'm not feeling well. And that's been my probably another one of my anchors is relationships and the importance of investing in your friendships or your family relationships or whatever, you know, is important to you. So I hope that answered your question a little bit. So you um, had said to me earlier that uh, owning the label of disabled, you're not able to work currently and you're needing to live with your parents. Right. Um, But you have learned... All the while, as you just described, what you can do. Right, right. So that story, yeah. So I remember it was probably a year or more ago that I, once I started feeling a little more functional, of course, I was starting to think, okay, what can I do? Where can I work? Or do I go back to school? What do I do? So I was looking through all of those different options. I'm the type that always sort of has a prayer in my heart. I don't think I was necessarily, I wasn't formally praying. But I know I was thinking, okay, help me kind of know what, which direction to go because I feel he always has. I feel, I feel, um, what's the word? Maybe even a little bit restless if I need to make a change. So I feel like I've been directed. Um, or sometimes I just have to make the decision. So I was, I was laying out two paths, a couple different paths, maybe you know, going back to school to further my education or go back to a certain position, although... I know because of my um, health issues that I can't go back to what I always did. So it's one of those I've got to figure out what I want to be when I grow up again, even though I'm a grown up. (laughs) Um, And I never really knew that. That's the funny thing. I just was so blessed with opportunities. So I was coming down to these decisions and nothing felt good. I just didn't feel at peace. I was very confused. And I just remember distinctly hearing you know, when I was asking in my head and in my heart, what can I do? What should I be doing? What do I need to do? It was very clear to me, unexpected. I, again, I don't think I was, I know I wasn't formally praying was you can love. And it hit me so strongly. And I thought, yes, I can. I can, I can do that. And I will do that. And I feel like he's opened the door for me in so many ways since then to love and show love, even in limited Situations where I'm technically more limited as far as being functional, but thank goodness we have the technology we do. I can shoot off a quick text if I'm thinking of someone or if I know they're having a bad day. So he's he's really opened the door and my eyes to 
I, I just recently went through a couple of really awful hard weeks and I, I kind of lost that again. So what I remember then thinking, okay, I need to pray for help. I don't want to because I'm really angry right now. I don't want to do what I should be doing. I hate the should be doing feeling, the guilt feelings. There's a lot of guilt and shame with, with chronic pain and, and illness. And he, again, uh, when I did kind of reach out, I started listening to things. I realized, okay, I had a, th- uh, there's a talk called What Lack I Yet? Uh, conference talk. And I had listened to that and I, I had written that phrase down and put it in my nightstand. But every time I saw it, I thought, oh, I know what I lack. I could write novels about what I lack. So it wasn't necessarily a positive thing for me at the time. It was very discouraging. So I heard something that made me kind of shift my focus. And he, again, helped me see. Um, And the question I now have written down as of a week ago is, what can I do for him today? Just today. I need to be present. It's funny because... Everyone says, you, you don't compare, don't compare, don't compare, because there are people with my same illness doing more, but there are people that have less functionality. It, it's, it's not helpful at all to compare. It doesn't, it's, no one has the exact same situation, whether, and again, whether it's health or any kind of crisis or, or something that just, no matter how firmly you have your feet planted, you can get just knocked off your feet, basically. All of us have those moments where your world is turned upside down in an instant, and I realized also when he was saying, you know, what, what can I do for, or when I was saying, what can I do for him today? It was an impression that I need to have more compassion for myself because what I was doing was comparing myself to myself, my previous self, trying to figure out my future self. And it it got overwhelming because I was, I was sad again that I couldn't do certain things. I was sad again that I couldn't um, that I had to be more careful in, in my approach to life. I call my life, my life muted because I have this sensory overload. So I have to be really careful. Is it going to be too bright? Is it going to be too loud? Is it going to, you know, never had to even think about those things before, but he, he again was just reiterating, stop comparing, even if it's to yourself and stop the anxieties about the future. Just what can you do right now today? And, and that helped me so much because I was projecting way too much not concentrating on the here and now. And even if I can do just a little bit of something, send off a text. If that's all I can do, great. But his point was, I need you to work on you. That's what you can do for me today. Self-compassion, self-development. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, please start there. Because I, I feel like that does affect how you interact with others and your influence and things like that. It's very important. Absolutely. I think until we can have self-compassion, we can't feel the love that God has for us to start. And as in a previous episode, as Jeff Stewart has said, if if we can't be comfortable with our own process, with our own mess, we won't be comfortable with other people's messes. Very true. And we will shy away uh, from their challenges and from their pain we will want to make everything better right quickly when typically that's not possible number one we can't fix it no (laughs) no and number two i think that often um it makes the situation for that person who is struggling even worse when we when we can't allow them to be in that space of grief or pain absolutely we we all need that time 
We do. And and as you said, I had that difficulty with the, the label disabled. I have a hard time with labels in general. We're so much more complex than a certain label. So to try to look past that and, and generate that closer relationship with God. And I feel our divine gifts, if we start to look for those and recognize those, however that happens in your own life, that those just expand the more you use them and the more you access them. And I think for me, that's been a really good manifestation of these. this is what I can do. This is my talent. This is what I'm good at, even if it's different than I thought it would be. Or maybe I've always had it, but it's it's the time in my life where that particular gift needs to be grown and developed and expanded and given to others. I feel like, well, I'm a recovering perfectionist. You hear that all the time. I think we're more aware of that. And I, it took me till my late thirties to stop being so hard on myself, but it's, it's still something I have to work on when I don't feel well. It's very easy to fall back into those, beat yourself up. You're not doing enough or you should be doing this and you're not. Um, sometimes honestly, I've even had the, okay, I'm going to quit my calling and I'm going to quit the church. Why bother? I can't do anything. I'm just laying here, you know? <laughs> and so I have had to battle even those feelings. They've come through like, well, just quit then. Well, okay. <laughs> so again, just, I have to come back to what can you do today? Building that relationship with God and building that that knowledge of who you truly are and the power behind that and, and projecting that outward is so important. It's been a a very big testimony building for me just in the last week. So. So I have lived with chronic pain and this is kind of going back to what we've just been talking about, but sometimes it can cause a lot of fear. Yes. For the future because you just don't know how you're going to be from one day to the next. Right. Um, How do you manage the human tendency to fear what could be? And hold on to hope and faith in the present. So the key word there again to me, and again, it's been reiterated just recently, is present. Be in the present. Try not to compare what you used to be able to do or who you used to be. Or, again, feel that anxiety about the future, not knowing what that holds. None of us really know. Like I said, things can happen in an instant that turn your world upside down. So it is really important to be in the present. That's helped me the most to be in the present, start listening to things, look for things, read things that, that help develop that sense of, of purpose as far as who I am truly, um, what God needs me to be. He doesn't, I never feel he's condemning me ever. I've been, I've never felt guilt, shame, or you should be doing this or shouldn't be doing this from him. That's that's me. That's my own mind. His is always very comforting and very encouraging. Like I said, what can I do just today? And if I do one thing, that's okay. That's enough. So for me right now to, to help calm the anxieties is to just take a step back, be in the present, be at peace with the present. Ask for I ask for help for the, you know with that. Looking for God's hand is huge for me too. I've always loved doing that and just oh hi yes I see you you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I lose that sometimes when I'm not feeling well. So I have I go back to that and I ask for that if I'm not seeing it. Let me I want to see your hand in in my life. And when I really think about it and see it, it's just 
it's incomprehensible that he can do that to that level of detail with me. And he does that for all his children. That's awesome. I really, I really like that. And to be present really is key, isn't mm-hmm. it? And that, that gratitude of seeing yeah. oh, that's God's one. Tenders, tender mercies. Um, I know that for me, remembering has been so key as I have navigated chronic pain and other strugg- struggles in my life. Um, remembering that God brought me through those hard times right. in the past and that I can have faith that he can bring me through more. Absolutely. So that very human tendency to have fear, I think that's something that, especially in this world where, again, too much information, we hear about all the bad stuff that's happening in mm-hmm. every corner of the earth. And what other age did they have that? So I think right. our, I, our anxiety levels are through the roof. Right because of all the negative that we hear constantly it's in our face um but god does not want us to live in fear no that is the opposite of faith and hope and remembering remembering what god has done that he keeps his promises that he can succor us yeah and i had i had faith come to a very simple faith is just even the will to try no matter how hard it is that it can be as simple as that just try just do something, try. And, and sometimes you don't want to. I, I feel like I'm not only unmotivated when I feel well, it's almost like I'm deactivated. I, I don't have, I, I just want to separate and isolate and I don't want to try, but I realize where that takes me and where it will lead me. And so again, I have to say, okay, I need some help here and just give me a little something. <laughs> and he always does. It's not um, even a text from a cousin I rarely talk to just because, I mean, he's out of state. It's not that we don't love each other. We do. But he just sent me a text. Hey, it's just been on my mind. How are you doing? He has no idea that that made a huge difference to me because at the time I was, I was needing, I was reaching for some, something, some kind of help. And that's all, you know, just little things like that. And that's when I realized, well, I can do that too. It's, it's, something you can do. And I feel I've always had that prompting. If someone's on your mind, please contact them. Just go ahead and contact them or go visit them or whatever, because I haven't. And later found out, wow, I really needed to be there. I believe we have more to offer than we sometimes think we do. And the best thing we can offer is that same kind of love and non-judgment and compassion or again ourselves, but but extend that to others. And I find for me, it's a little bit easier to extend for to others, I'm a little bit easier on them than I am myself. But but again, he's trying to bring me back around and say, yeah, you know, this is I need this. I need you to feel this way too. I need to feel, or you to feel that you know, that self compassion and that allowance to to fall down, be down if I have to be, but to just keep trying. So how has your experience with chronic illness and pain and all the other struggles that you've had um, helped you develop compassion for others and help them in their pain? I knew when this first started, okay, maybe not the very first, but as it continued, because I thought it would be a very quick get it over with trial, and that was three and a half years ago, I knew it wasn't about me. It, It just came back to that over and over. This is not just about you. Granted, I have learned 
and my I've been stretched. I've learned things I could never learn otherwise because I really have had to let go of almost everything that I was familiar with and know, and that's just part of you just grow up and get married and have kids, or you grow up and you have a job and you have your own place. Well, I didn't have any of those things all of a sudden. So I just, I do remember thinking this, this is not just about you. This is not just about you. Although it has been so, so important in my own journey to learn things I would have never learned that I didn't even know I needed to learn and understand. And because I've gone through it, I can literally reach others because I can say, I know I experienced this. I have these types of feelings just like you do. I joined a Facebook group because I didn't know anyone. I still don't know anyone or in my own circle or even extended circle that has this daily chronic headache, pain, migraine, you know, on a daily basis. I didn't think it was even a thing. So I found a Facebook group and it's been so refreshing to hear their stories and their feelings and their validation. And it's been so lovely to be on the other side where people are just starting to have these different trials to say, I know that's exactly how it feels. And this is, you know, it's, it's been so nice to relate to them. There was a lady in uh, relief society. I got those, um, day piercings. Have you seen those for migraines? And she, they didn't do anything for me, unfortunately, but you know, it was just like, okay, well I'll try it. I've tried all sorts of other shots and procedures and stuff. It's so I tried it and a lady came up to me after that was sitting a few seats down and she said, where did you get that done? She said, I have, I am literally going crazy. I'm in so much pain. And she had little kids hanging on her. And I just thought, I don't even know how you're functioning right now because I know what that feels like. So she got hers done and I kind of forgot about it. And my niece that was with me at the time said, Hey, whatever happened with that lady that asked you about your headaches? And I said, Oh, I don't know. I'll have to find her and ask her. Well, for her, it helped her instantly. She told me she hadn't had even taken aspirin for a month. And she said, that's never been my situation. So I'm like, yes, see, it isn't about me. <laughs> so it does. It really helps you to reach out and to understand. And again, I, I feel like I kind of talk about my health more, but that's my experience. But everyone has their, their very difficult times and world shifting, changing, even soul, sh- soul shifting, changing. Like I said, you can have your feet so firmly planted and then just be knocked to the ground and not even see it coming. So I think that's what I feel I've gained in, in that respect is I relate to that. That's happened to me. And maybe it had to happen to me to to have that level of empathy and compassion. And to also say, as Christ has told us, I know I've been through it. So you had said to me earlier, uh, you are a wounded healer. Oh, yes. Yes. I heard that phrase from a BYU speech by Beth Luthi, and she was quoting a Reverend Mombleu. Uh, his book was something about what, why has this happened to me or something. And he, I think that's something that just hit me so strongly. It's such a juxtaposition, but it's so beautiful and profound and deep because If you have been wounded, you can better relate to the wounded. And because of that pain or that wound, whatever it may be, it's healing for others who are going through the same thing because you can relate to them on a very, 
very detailed personal level. And I thought, oh, I just want, I'll print up a t-shirt like that. That's got to be my goal. You know, I want to take this and make this something beautiful. And, and he has, he truly has, he has carried me. I have felt him carry me when things could have been so much worse and so much harder. It's just like he's lifting me just above the really swirling dark waters. And I'm not getting sucked under completely unless I choose to dip my foot in there. <laughs> but he has, he's really carried me. And that's been, that's been important to me to feel too. Like, wow, this could have been, this could have been a lot harder having to sell my place and having to leave my profession. And it just sort of, the, oh, what's the scripture? Uh, the peace that surpasseth, peace that surpasseth understanding. I didn't understand that scripture until now because I have it. Despite everything that's going on, I have this cr- amazing, crazy, strong peace. And even at times I question that, why I shouldn't be feeling this peaceful. <laughs> Things are kind of upside down, but I really have. And so I'm so grateful for that. And that's what I'm hoping to share with others too. I was just thinking of another scripture when Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It's a different peace. And I think that's so hard sometimes to understand that 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 is the grace that supports us, the enabling, strengthening power to be able to have peace in such tumult or pain right and and that's beautiful actually I'm getting shivers as I talk about that because I think when we understand that Christ is capable of not just sustaining us helping us endure which sounds like grits like yes absolutely but he will lighten our burden so that that our backs can carry he has and he didn't care where I was spiritually or in my life it didn't matter I was his his concern and he wanted to make sure I didn't get sucked under. And and sometimes you do. I you know, there are times you feel like you do. But, you know, looking back, I I have literally been carried. And that that kind of brings me to another point that you were asking, you know, how do you share that with others? I want to be able to do that for others. This might sound silly, but my name is Carrie and I thought, I gotta make that a verb. I had to be able to, you know, I want to carry others as much as I can. Going back to, it really truly comes from Christ and His love, and He's the one doing the carrying, and we're not there to fix. We're not there to you know make it all better, but we sure can offer a hand and, and help each other along. So finally, Carrie, so much good stuff that you've shared, which I really appreciate. The wisdom that has come because of your pain. And my parents, my mom always says to me, Pain is the pathway to progress. It's very <laughs> I'm true. Like, I never Mom, I hate that. that I you're right. Stop I it. Hate it. But pain is the pathway to progress. That's how we become more like our Heavenly Father. That's very true. But in the end, why are you still rowing? Why are you choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ? What I always go back to, no matter what my questions are or my struggles, or and, and I go through different ebbs and flows of how spiritual I feel or how my testimony, how strong it is. And I think that's a normal thing too, which I didn't understand. And so I used to beat myself up over that, but now I just, you know, okay, it's just, it's just an ebb and flow. It really is. And everybody goes through that. What I always, always go back to is my, okay. So, um, there are, are, are main things that I think that we need to hold on to in testimony. 
if any of one of those pillars or keystones is something I go, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how strong that testimony is. What I always go back to is, but how would I have learned about God the way I know him? How would I have had that relationship without this gospel? How would have this amazing power, would I have known that was out there and that I could access that? Most likely not, not to the level that we can by, you know, staying and still rowing with the gospel. And there are times just as far as last week that I didn't want to propel myself forward. I didn't want to row. I was going to just jump ship. But I always, always go back to, I know who I am. I know the nature of God. I'm learning more and more about him through all of this. And it's an eternal type of progression. It's not a one and done. Oh, I have testimony. I'm done. It's, I do have to just, it it does just the knowledge that I've gained from being a member and from being, or from having this gospel in my life. I can't, I can't deny what it's done for me. I can't deny the sense of purpose, the sense of identity, the love, the compassion, all of those things that I have felt and felt that I wanted to and could share with others without it. So if there are any, like I said, any, any questions or doubts or things you hear about that make you say, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I just say, no matter what, no matter how I'm struggling, this is the faith, this is the gospel that has made me truly who I am. And I know I have such potential if I just let him work with me. And I have access to this amazing power and these blessings that are just so incredible. I would have, I would have had no knowledge of those at all without this. So that does, that, that helps. Well, thank you again, Carrie, so much for your time and testimony today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.